What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner, and on this short episode, we are talking to director Mike Cahill all about his new movie, Bliss, which premieres on Friday, February 5th, on Amazon Prime Video and stars Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek. This was just a very quick kind of press junket conversation that I had with Mike, uh, but he gives some really good insight into the movie, and I can't wait for you to hear it. There is a full review of the film on our website, aftermoviediner.com, and if you like our interviews, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, share, like, retweet, all that good stuff. Our interview podcast, Booth Talk, from the After Movie Diner. Here's our conversation with Mike. All right. Hi, Mike. Pleasure to be talking to you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, John. How's it going, man? Really good, really good. And we really enjoyed Bliss. Uh, really, really thought it was a, a great movie, just fantastic. Um, the idea feels like it could have been based on some pretty personal experiences. Uh, first of all, was it? And if not, where did the inspiration come from? Uh, I mean, personal in the sense that it's uh, a thing, personal in the sense that uh, it's a thing that I'm interested in or an emotion that I found very uh, impactful on me. Uh, when, when I when I saw this, but I'll tell you, maybe it'll make sense if I give some context. So, the the emotional thing that I was chasing with the film is I wanted to tell a story about the fragility of the human mind. And if you think like John, there's probably people in your life who you love, family members or friends or whomever it is, people that you love that have a totally different worldview or a totally different way of seeing the world than you, and that. And and that could come from any number of things. That could become that could come from politics. That can come from mental health. Uh, you know, and perhaps it's something about their mind that's not right and uh, or distorting it in some sort of way. And and it's so much so that the way they see the world almost has zero overlap with yours. The way they see the world is 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 infused is rich with detail but it's infused with their inner emotional landscape that's like sort of projecting this version of the world and and so there's like very it's hard to reach each other it's hard to see eye to eye it's hard to connect um and so i feel like everybody's sort of personally experiencing some version of that and then i saw i wanted to tell the story in this case in particular the daughter uh, Emily, played by Nesta Cooper Greg's daughter who uh despite those huge differences makes the effort and it's persistent and has this like intense love for her father. Um, and, and it's not to be taken for granted because the brother doesn't have it right necessarily, or he can't go there. And so right. she, she, uh, and, and to show that that persistence and love, despite the hardship of it and the difficulty of crossing over to someone with a different worldview, it, it actually can make a difference. And then I took that idea which is an emotional one. And I combined it with all the intellectual nerdy stuff that I love, like simulation theory and, you know, infinite regress paradox and, and like all these science fiction ideas. And I turned the idea of 
two different worldviews into two different literal worlds. Uh, and, and, but, but at, at the core, I feel like that emotional uh, reaching out to someone who's lost to another world is, is a very beautiful part about what a very, a very beautiful thing that a human can do for another human. And then also the idea of Greg and Isabel, it, it's the love story where really they're two people who do see the exact same world, right? They're, they're over, their views totally overlap. Yeah. And so, Basically, the whole idea is to construct this metaphorical story using science fiction, but to look at that core emotional idea and allow the audience then to be able to project whether it's whether it's drugs, whether it's mental health, whether it's politics, whether it's you know climate change, whatever whatever it is where you find yourself on a way different side, ideological side of somebody else that you love. Yeah, no, completely. And my follow-up was sort of, obviously there is a big aspect of the movie that could be read in a way outside of, of those other things as, as um, addiction or a commentary on addiction or partly addiction. And, and, and certainly about facilitators, which again is very, a very interesting thing when you look at obviously politics and society right now, there are a lot of facilitators, right? There's a lot of people opening their arms up to say, come here, we have these ideas. Um, there were certain, the performances are fantastic and there were certain performances that definitely seemed to be focused little sections of on maybe portraying a more addictive kind of personality or more what might happen, uh, sort of a drug addict personality. When talking with the actors and discussing with the actors, um, was it play the reality of, say, the sci-fi, so play the mise-en-scene of the movie, play the reality of the sort of sci-fi story, I'm thinking predominantly that scene where all the cops are up on the uh, up on the road there, and they're, and they're they're down in Isabel's camp. Or was it more about no? For this scene, let's play more of the addiction, or for this scene, let's play more of that, or whatever. Talk about the conversations you had with the actors around kind of how to perform certain parts of the metaphor, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a re- that's a. What's amazing about that question is that I wish I would ask myself that question. Or <laughs> if I were not me, I wish I would ask that question because I want to know the answer. But the weird twisted part is I don't know what the answer is to that. I, okay. I don't know if it, it became that explicit, I suppose. In and like in you know, because you don't you never say play the metaphor per se, right? Right. You you play the emotion, the you know, you play the scene as as authentically as it's calling for. Um, and the scene objective is the scene objective, right? So the scene objective right. is to go to the bliss world. The metaphor is something that you're, you as the viewer are supplying, right? You can, you can, you, you know, a metaphor doesn't exist without an observer. Like an observer right. makes the connection between things and says it. And so, uh, but the scene objective is um, to escape this place and go to the bliss world. And, uh uh, and and actually highlighting that scene is kind of interesting because that's the that's the the place where we arrive at the the full arc, which is here's a man <clears throat> who like I'm very obsessed with uh, first person uh, 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 first person uh, point of view told through an emotional perspective. So like everything that the protagonist is feeling, I like to enhance that so we don't feel we, i don't like dramatic irony for example i don't like right. separate i don't like the audience knowing more than the character i like to be with the character all the way along and that creates really unusual scenes like the scene uh, outside the roller disco when they see each other when he sees themselves in the back of the police cars or whatever which is very yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's strange, but what it does is it, it the, the confusion and the disorientation that you have as an audience is the same confusion and disorientation that the protagonist has. So that's what I mean. I like to be with them on every step of the way so that I'm never separating and judging them. If they feel bliss, I feel bliss. You know, if they're on the boardwalk at the promenade or stepping off a boat and enjoying and delighting in it, if that's what they're feeling, like, I want to feel that. So uh, if that's what he's feeling. But that scene in particular, the climax, is the is the arc of uh, here's a man who's chasing some sort of idea of paradise or uh, perfection or numbness or escapism or whatever, you know, supply the the definition of bliss, whatever, uh, and then and, and, and paradise or whatever. And by that point, it's through Isabel where she says, uh, this is horrible. This is a nightmare. This is me. You know, the artist describing their flawed work describing the simulation and he looks at her and he says yeah but there's something and it dawns on him yeah but there's something kind of beautiful about it and and it's through through loving her and all the chaos that is her that he comes to love here and then the reward is that you know the union with the daughter so yeah Uh, so the objectives i guess yeah no definitely definitely um sorry i talked too much yeah i'm gonna talk about the next one it's all good it's all good um obviously the film is very character driven um and and that's one of the reasons why i loved it but also there were some really neat little world building things you did in the in the sort of rough world as it were some of the kind of generic names and some of the sort of generic jobs people might have and then in the bliss world um you had that great speech isabel gives uh samuel hayek gives about automation and wealth distribution and so on um and it's just enough to kind of pepper the world and 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 tell the story which is awesome has there ever have you thought about either expanding those elements was there a script that expanded on those elements i just feel like there's stuff there that could be pushed out into a mini series or something anything like that yeah that'd be great amazon are you on this call are you listening <laughs> let's do a mini series <laughs> no i mean the uh yeah called blister part two the, yeah, right? uh, the uh the um that stuff you know in in movies you Think about all the different movies that try and portray a utopia. Usually it gets flawed or there's some problem or it like doesn't, uh, the kicking the tires test doesn't always work or it ends up bad. And the, the, when the, when someone's character talks about the, you know, what made the world what it is, this generally prosperous, peaceful place, you know, she highlights three things. She says, uh, automation, synthetic biology, and asteroid mining, which the the nerd inside of me revels at the revelation of those. Like those are the the bedrock foundations of a of a of a world of 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 a plenty, which is that you know a, a world that allows the populace to pursue or holds highest science and art. You know the study of the natural world or the uncovering of the natural world and the physical properties of the natural world and the uncovering of the, you know, human spirit. And, and like, imagine if all of us were just had freed up to do that kind of stuff. Like how cool would that be? How beautiful would that be? And here are three things that are real things. Automation's a real thing often gets portrayed in movies as evil, evil robots killing people uh, that, you know, uh, synthetic biology is a real thing uh, that's, you know, saving uh, our lives and, and health and it's going to save the environment with carbon capture and all these kind of, you know, CRISPR and genetic engineering, but it's often portrayed as evil in movies and monsters and shit. But, and then asteroid mining, which is just something I, if 
find fascinating that there's like these rocks floating around the earth with 17 trillion dollars worth of platinum floating around and you know uh, the precious metals that we would use in all our devices anyways and that have value and and that would like foot the bill uh, like basically the idea of victimless resource extraction which is yeah. which is you know, a novel idea for humans um so i don't know but those those are really beside they're besides the point in terms of the movie story but they do as you say pepper the world they build a kind of sense of like they give plausibility to the bliss world, which is very important in my storytelling that you can get to the end of the movie and say, Oh, actually, uh, which one's real? Uh, are they both real? You know, it has to have that by stability of interpretations for it to work. Definitely. Definitely. Well, look, we really enjoyed the movie over here and uh, thank you so much, Mike, for talking to us today. All the best. Oh, uh, John, thanks so much. I feel like we talked for one and a half minutes. Yeah, no, it's all done. <laughs> all good. Well done. Thank you. Well, thanks man. Take care, man.